We've announced Bruno, which apparently is the central... Bruno was announced. The central theme of life, the universe and everything over the last... Apparently, yeah. Have we won the January transfer window trophy? I think we have. Have we? we? spend more money than anyone else? Oh, is that is that how you win it? Oh, dear. I, <laughs> I didn't. Know. I assume so. Yeah. Um, and we've got rid of lovely Marcus Rocco, whose last act as a United player was fitting in that Marcus Rocco's most awesome quality by far was his general cult status was to sit in the away end um at the Etihad not for the first time I don't think no that's right yeah though it's it is a little bit of a thing with players these days isn't it uh, did you see that story um at uh, Roma when Francesco Totti wanted to go back and see Roma and and got the full prosthetics with the big nose and makeup and stuff so he could go do it. <laughs> I did not. I remember um, being at a game away at Stoke, the game where Rooney scored the goal that uh, broke or equaled the record. I think broke the record. Um, and the photos was in the press box and the photos started doing the round that Rocco was in the away end. And like, so the press box is halfway on along the the stand along the side of the pitch and the away end is like behind the goal and Marcus you could see Marcus Rocco exactly where he was like it was the opposite of being in disguise he was wearing a bright white expensive designer cap it's like the opposite of trying to stay uh hidden I don't think I don't think anyone's bothering Marcus Rocco and he's gone back to Estudiantes which is as anyone that's kind of seen him celebrating their goals and stuff will know is obviously a club dear to his heart it is, yeah. I, I'm going to assume, I mean, the figures haven't been announced. I'm going to assume that United is still paying a fair amount of his wages, <laughs> if not yeah. all of them. Yeah, six-month loan deal. Um, yes, and then United will try and sell him again, but this has been part of the, the issue with um, Rojo. He he didn't want to go anywhere else. He, he wouldn't be part of the Bruno Fernandes deal um, because he wanted to go back to Estudiantes, and, and United are going to struggle. They won't be able to get a fee out of Estudiantes. Uh, mm. So anyway, it, we pushed that one down the line for another six months. In the meantime, he he was, as you say, in the away end, watching a United victory over City for the second time this season. Honestly, like sure, yeah, that, yeah, that's what happened. Let's let's all agree that that's <laughs> what happened. A team that was uh, that needed a two goal margin of victory, I believe, took six shots in the yep, ninety two of them minutes. on target. We managed five shots on target over one hundred and eighty minutes of football against City. Honestly. Uh, at the end of that game, I said to you, this performance is going to be wildly overpraised. And um, so there were some positives to the performance. I actually thought we grew into the game. I thought our second half was better than our first half. And there was a lot of heart shown and determination and all those things. But the first half, they could have been out of sight within 20 minutes. Ollie said we created five. We could have been five nil up against them, which we couldn't against them in the in the league game in the first 20 minutes. But they could have legitimately been three up within the first yes. 25 minutes. Well, for Ollie, a chance is at any ball that comes approaching the box, I think. But, which, uh, to, to be fair, he was such a good finisher. You can see why he thinks like that, can't you? Yes, yes. So I think we'll come on to talking a little bit about Ollie. Uh, in a bit, but uh, the game. I mean, you're right. City confused United to start with the, the lineup uh, and the formation. I don't think anyone's really expecting them to play three at the back, uh, matching us. That's that's what they were doing. They're worried about showing our, respect, uh, respect, yeah, respect, that's it. respect. Three, at that, um, three. He's holding up three fingers. Three at the back. Respect. <laughs> I mean, they played five up front, basically. City yeah. did. No, um, no and respect. it's not like Gundogan and Rodrigo are like particular. I mean, they're defensive midfielders in inverted commas, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, City really came out of the blocks really quickly, and they were the dominant side pretty quickly in this game. And I mean, at halftime, I think United had taken one shot to City's nine or something, and um, and it was just one of those games in which. I mean, United, for a one-off game, you'd say got the tactics right. The The idea was to defend in a low block, um, to force City to take shots from further out than they normally would, although that only sort of half worked, to rely on Dave for the rest and to try and score from chances on the break or, or set pieces. So in a one-off game... Great, you know, and, and maybe Ollie had really no other choices other than to set up like this and, and go for what was a, a very, very low percentage approach to, to winning the tie. 
Mm. Um, but uh, but as we said on the pod last week, the chances of 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 playing that way and scoring two to take it into extra time penalties or three to win the game are just incredibly low. So one of the things that frustrated me and and won't really come through in the the kind of narrative of discussion about this is I just half felt that we'd just set up to be plucky losers and mm. and, and Ollie, Ollie basically confirmed that afterwards with the way he. Him and Maguire were like, yeah, let's take all the positives out of it. We just got beaten by City in a cup semi. Where's the anger about that? Where's the crushing disappointment? And and may, maybe this is my my view is coloured by listening to Paul Scholes on the uh, the official United pod. It's rather good. It's kind of disappointing that it's so good. <laughs> um, but um, a friend of the show, Sam, does a really good job with that one. And 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 Scholes, you know, gave us sort of some insight into. What it's like losing in the era of Fergie, that it was crushing and it was like a morgue at Carrington and everyone was angry about it and kind of felt like, shouldn't we feel like that? And and um, producer Tom said to us on the WhatsApp group, well, you know, isn't that part of the problem? We're always looking backwards. We're looking back at the past and, you know, in, in a sense, we've become some kind of hybrid of Arsenal, the mediocrity and, and Liverpool always harping on about the past and for understandable reasons, but uh, this kind of a... Annoyed me a little bit, the the approach to this and then the reaction afterwards. Yeah, now, to be fair to Solskjaer, this was a game in which he showed genuine fire on the touchline, screaming his lungs at Jesse Lingard, one more and you're off. Um, and he was, two minutes later. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, good for Ollie or like... Uh, completely <laughs> dis- destroying a player's confidence. Like, I mean, not that, you know, Lingard is not... I mean, I mean, this could have happened to Lingard at any point over the last 18 months. Yeah, sure. But like, if Mourinho was screaming one more and you're off at players from the touchline, we might not be like going, yay, good on him kind of thing. I don't know. It was, we kind of need to see some fire from Solskjaer because it is frustrating, his kind of placidity. And, and you know, even in a one-off game... We kind of got the tactics right, so long as you don't mind coughing up a bunch of fairly high-quality chances to City in the early part of that game. I, I feel like we adjusted and and kind of got it together a little bit in, in the game and kind of got the tactics right and got some of the game management right in a one-off game sense. But like you said, it wasn't a one-off game. And the lack of urgency, not not urgency, quality. Like, it wasn't urgency that was lacking. It was quality that was lacking. Maybe the signing of Fernandez starts to address some of that, or certainly... I, I mean, yeah, p- p- perhaps it would. For 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 the zero pounds we've managed to save... Oh, oh yeah, maybe I should save this rant, but for the zero <sighs> pounds we've managed to save, we wasted three weeks of not having a goal-scoring midfielder. Anyway... Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the same. We didn't as... have him last night, and our goal scorer was Nemanja Matic, who's had, I guess, something of a little mini rebirth these Absolutely. last three weeks. You know, yeah, he put in an incredible well. performance. I mean, he, uh, I did kind of think when he got his red card, which which Oli complained about, but I don't know how you could. Um, <laughs> if you're going to tactical foul, you you want to do it when you don't have the yellow card already. He needs to study the school of City for masterful <laughs> tactical fouling because they really are. They they rotate it around the team very, very well. He's definitely in a little vein of form, though, Matic. Like, he's moving the ball quickly, even under pressure. He made a couple of good passes yesterday, I thought, and um, obviously, like, took his goal absolutely brilliantly. Um, and, yeah, that's it's good that he's coming to the side and it's not been an utter disaster. Of course, I mean, we really do not need to relitigate Nemanja Matic's weakness because we've got a massive archive dedicated to the subject. But... You know, it's it's been nice to see him playing well. And the other thing I was thinking in a sort of positive sense is Fred continues to be better than he used to be. Like Fred's the the Red Fred Redemption has not. I, I like I've decided I like Red Fred Redemption more than the Fredemption. Um, but the, the Red Dead the Red Fred Redemption continues apace. Like it wasn't just a a blip. He looks like a player, and and certainly not one that you think. Okay, we desperately need to upgrade that particular position now. We need players to play alongside him, obviously. Yes, and and we just need more bodies as well because we're always an injury away from it being a crisis. So um, McTominay won't be back until April. I know Steve Clark was talking about him 
potentially being back after the next international break, but he's he's only just taken the boot off, and so he's a long way away from full fitness. Uh, Pogba, who knows? I mean, Oli said three to four weeks, three to four weeks ago. He said a lot of stuff about Pogba and injuries, though, hasn't he? Yeah, so I, I have no idea. Mino Raiola is playing nice. We'll come back to him in a bit when we talk about Edward Wood. Um, so who knows what's happening with that one? Um, and so, so in the meantime, I mean, Fernandez, I assume, is going to start on Saturday because mm-hmm. because why not? Absolutely. Um, there's this. We're so desperately sure, as was shown in Lingard's performance, which was just another awful performance. I mean, the ball, he just can't trap it within three feet at the moment. And his passing, the thing that got him hooked off and got Ollie angry was another straight pass. It's, it's, it's honestly like, um, I know we've talked so I feel like so boring whenever I talk about O-ring theory, but, you know, it's, it is this problem of we've had consistently over the last seven years of promising possession and promising moves evaporating because of serious individual errors from like one or two positions on the pitch. And it's not about scapegoating all of United's problems onto those players. It's just, you. it's so difficult to like create good chances either against the low block or against the high quality team. So possession is... Possession is so precious against City that squandering it time after time after time. I mean, I'm I'm more sad than angry about Jesse Lingard. I have to say, I know that's not necessarily a majority opinion, but I, I, there the, it looked for a while like he was kind of growing into the role of United player and maybe never be a world beater. But you know, but you know, it's just completely gone at the moment. He, he needs a fresh start. I mean. Like whatever challenges he personally has, I just don't see it coming good for him now at United and, and a, a change in the summer would uh, do him and United a lot of good and he's going to fall down the pecking order once Pogba is fit and Fernandez is in. Yeah, uh, That's a big assumption that Pogba's going to stay for any length of time. I, as I suspect, he, he will be off in the summer um, because we've already like basically pocketed the money and spent it. Um, another couple of players, though, further forward of Jesse Lingard, that had a tough night, I'd say. Martial and, and Greenwood couldn't Greenwood couldn't get into the game at all in that first half. And Martial, frustrating one because he's a, effectively the the point of the of United's Christmas tree here, and and nothing could stick. And he had one of those nights when he just wasn't able to impose himself on a game. And and his critics would say that that's too that's too frequent. But it was one of those ones where he's Critics had a, I would say, had a lot of um, lot of ammunition to to hurl at him. Yeah, I mean, I think he just looked shattered. <laughs> Honestly, I, I just think I think it's really simple. He just looked exhausted to me. He just looked half a yard short of fitness and kind of thrashing at stuff that he normally wouldn't thrash at. And you know, not that he gets everything right ever, but he he's not normally that sort of. Um, he doesn't normally look like he's slightly running through treacle, which I thought he did a little bit. Even when he's having a bad game, his movement... I, I, I actually—I don't mean like his movement in the sense of a striker's movement. I just mean the way he physically moves around. He, he just looked stiff and, and not right, basically, I thought. Um, but yeah, not, not not a good performance at all. The, the midfield did all right and the defence did okay. Um, Maguire put in an absolutely sick tackle at one point on Sterling in the box, like fully highlight reel, full last man. Yeah, uh, yes, brilliant. Yeah, the, the full works. Yep. Um, Steve Bruce esque. Um, and uh, oh yeah, by the way, um, we've caused a bit of controversy between the two of us, Ed, on the internet in recent weeks by not fully respecting a Manchester United legend. Because we didn't mention David Beckham when we were talking about the handsomest Man United players. What what are we doing? Like, what? Wh- how did we have that conversation and not mention... We didn't mention Giggsy or David Beckham. Giggsy, the player. Yeah. And 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 Beck's the player also. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they were both footballers. That's true. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, uh, back to this game. De Gea with a couple of crucial saves and no big mistakes. And that's it's nice to see he's still got those performances in him and he will still continue to have, even if, you know, I think we could possibly say his absolute peak has passed. Um, yeah, I mean, he made four big saves, Dave did. So, I mean, we can say his absolute peak might have passed. I, I, I'm still not totally 100% convinced that 
if United are able to to get everything in front of him right, that he he we won't see the best of Dave again. He's only twenty nine. Been playing very, very top level for a very, very long Doesn't time. Doesn't matter. Though. I mean, he's not degrading physically, I don't think. I mean, I don't think his reactions, you know, look at the saves he makes. It's not his reactions. It's the mental side of his game that he's struggling with, uh, not not the physical. And I, I mean, you know, I hope I hope he um, he comes good. I mean, there's a, there's a, a question to be made and, and an argument that has been made apparently amongst United coaches that he needs some proper competition and that might sharpen him, him up a bit and that Romero can't re- isn't really going to provide that competition because his knee problems means that he could never really play every week. But yeah. what, and, mean- and so that, you know, a top, top line competition for Dave might do very good and, and maybe Dean Henson provides that. Uh, Dean Henson, very confident boy, I wonder whether he might be willing to return to United next year and provide that competition and real competition for the number one spot because Henson's having a fantastic season at Sheffield United. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's made some big mistakes too, hasn't he? But He, he certainly has. and yeah. uh, But, you know, he's been good enough that the, the manager feels he feels he can, you know, rib the player for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris Wilder, yeah. And, you know, like he's he has an innate confidence, arrogance, you might say, Dean Henderson, which which will probably serve him well. Um. The other, the flip side of that is, of course, you know, he wants to represent England and he wants to have a top flight career and, and does, he doesn't want to be sitting on the bench. Especially not if it's for three or four years, which it, yeah, in theory, not, could be. You know, so, so this is the question, you know, maybe does Dave Neve need some competition to, to get those peak levels? But he, look, he was good. He didn't make any mistakes. He didn't flap at anything. Not that City pump a lot of balls into the box or anything like that. Uh, and make they, some crucial saves. They do pump a lot of balls into the box, to be fair, <laughs> when they want to. They put a lot of crosses in. <laughs> yeah. They're not, like, lumped-in balls. R- Raheem Sterling, I could not believe that Sterling didn't score when he was... Not the Maguire tackle, but the, the one where he was, like, clean through. And in the end, you know, don't have... Uh, expected goals data from this game but in the end I, I suspect it wasn't particularly wouldn't have registered as a particularly high chance but oh my goodness there was a point there where it felt like the expected goals was one <laughs> well that's right yeah yeah he, he checked back when he could have shot yeah uh, and and lost his opportunity as a result yeah um what else what else do we want to say about this game that'll do uh, me we're out of the cup the, the free and- kick at the end why, oh. oh, why, oh, why, oh, why, oh, why <laughs> was Fred taking that one? It, I was screaming at the telly at that point. Like, why wasn't... I didn't understand when Mata walked away from it because it felt like he was the... He's the one player we've seen. I mean, Pereira scored a free kick for United, but Mata scored some clutch free kicks and you, and that sort of felt like the zona de Mata, you know, um, in a way. It, it, it is that kind of slightly central area just outside the box where he can get it up and down and into the top corner. Well, that's that's right. He did it last season, didn't he, against Juventus? Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. Maybe that was a little further out, but still. I mean, doing it at Juventus, he's literally doing it from the zona del, del Piero. But, um, <laughs> that's right. So, I mean, apparently, so Ollie says that Fred had been banging them in in training in the week, <laughs> and that's why he got it. Cool, yeah, great. It's the details, isn't it, with football? I mean, it's not that you know, I don't think United would have deserved it, but right. but Mata scores that and, and United are into extra time. No, no extra time, Quite straight prob- to pens. Straight to pens, yeah. straight to pens. Mm-hmm. Straight to pens. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, there, there were points in this game that City looked rattled. Yeah. When, when United, especially in the second half, when United were able to get into the game at points. Um, yeah, it's not like United created... Loads of chances, as we said, and only got the two on target. But there were times when City, who who should have been way out of sight, um, were not, uh, and they could have let it go. Just just about hung on, and and I guess that's one of the positives we can take. You know, at some points we were able to take it to City, just not for that many minutes. And I guess that's that was what I meant about this performance is going to get like super overpraised because. City having basically an off day in front of goal in particular, which I suspect was partly because they knew they could basically walk this game for the most part, meant that we were given an opportunity we probably shouldn't have been given from a sort of tactical and relative quality of squad and execution level. But it nearly happened. We won on the day. I'm sure everyone that went there 
you know, enjoyed the the fighting performance and all of that stuff. But uh, to me, there's there's one very damning statistic about that game, and that is six shots in a game where we needed six shots. That's not like that. Just literally means we only tried to shoot the ball towards goal six times. No no quality metric there. Just literally six shots in a game we need to win by two goals. And only two of those were from open play. Right. I mean, that's uh, so absolutely. It's so damning, and I it just it winds me up. <laughs> that game, that game wound me up yesterday. I was, I just thought this is ridiculous. Like this is, there was so little quality in that game, and yet it's being sort of reported as a heroic defeat. Well, 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 that is. I mean, because because partly because of United's situation and the state that we're in, and we, you know, fans have mentally adjusted to, to yeah. the 90s new reality and accepted it. Perhaps I haven't mentally adjusted enough because <laughs> apparently the, the interwebs didn't agree with my assessment that that us being plucky little losers isn't really becoming of a club like United. But but Ollie also does this as well and he reinforces this message and, and Maguire did it as well, this which is, is the- to say, we'll take all the positives. We were very close. You know, it's this, we we're one kick away from, from uh, beating Liverpool the other week or, or whatever it was and... And uh, and we've we've come so close against City. You know? So there's there's a couple of things, and one it's like I think fine for fans to just praise that you know that's fine for fans is no problem. And in a way, Maguire is Maguire and Ollie's job is to take the positives out of it. That's that is one of their jobs. And I'm sure that behind closed doors, there's also conversation sure. about the negatives. It's more the sort of um, like. Uh, something I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about in in fact let's just segue into this what I'm really frustrated with is the sort of journalistic approach the journalists who are being positive about this but anyway let's talk let's that's probably enough about that game because we're trying to do a short show and it's going to be a long show um because we've got to talk about journalism and Ed Woodward and people attacking his home so Attacking, yes. This word I find a bit odd, but yes. Yes, People at his home. Chucking chucking flares over the gate. Lobbing flares is not good, folks. They're flammable and they set fire to things. Don't do it. You know, dressing up in balaclavas and going to someone's house who's got kids. Like, what is wrong with you? Like, there's no... You just don't have to do that. There's no... it's, It's... football is important like as the i think it's an italian expression that football is the the most important of the things that are not important like that's that's what football is whereas like terrifying some children they weren't in but whatever terrifying some children is is actually important you know so yeah, no look com- completely I, I mean i i also i'm into hysteria one just a note of and it's not me condoning it. I think I was very clear on Twitter. I think this is a very bad thing. But so some some people some context. Don't, some people context. don't read our Twitter. They just listen to the show. So sure, sure, fine. So I'm saying right now, you know, not sensible, counterproductive, dumb. Don't do it. You're not big and you're not clever. Uh, that said, um, they didn't physically attack someone in Italy. They'd have kidnapped uh, Edward Wood and his children. And held them for ransom until we bought a player, you know. <laughs> in Argentina, it would have been even worse. So, some context: um, United fans over the years is have... that is it is that context or is that massive whataboutism? I know you no, ha- no, it's, you it's, hate it's whataboutism, not, and that is what about is it is. You're saying, well, yeah, but what about what they do in Italy and Argentina? No, no, not at all. No, no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying context. There are levels to this, and at least they had some. Some restraint, right? Shouldn't be going around to his house, much as they shouldn't have gone around to Wayne Rooney's house or Rio Ferdinand's house and scared the bejesus out of them, apparently. Scared Rio into signing a new contract, anyway. Um, Rio went out and, and talked to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he got on the phone and said, sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, not, not clever. And um, but I, I there, don't, there is I... a level of, there is a, there, there, there is a level of frustration at United now, which is, which is boiling to a point, right? And related, again, not, this is not whataboutism and it's not, you know, a but and ignore everything before the but. Related is how the club treats fans, right? Which is, we don't care about you. You're dumb. We can just like sign some shiny player 
and and do a video on social media and you won't care and you're never going to notice whether um whether we're successful or not and none of this matters anyway and you're not important you've got nothing to say and you shouldn't even sing songs at the ground because poor little edward would will be offended by them so and then like in the one of the worst pr this is going to be a case study in in you know bad pr this is um to to publicly sign up a celebrity pr guy to to not to improve the image of the club but to improve ed woodward's personal image at the time of these uh this you know almost peak frustration um just just brought this all together so i'm not i'm really not surprised that he's boiled over for a bunch of people i'm not saying it's right but i'm not surprised at all no i'm also not surprised um and it is a difficult situation when a complex situation when people have no apparent recourse. You know, you, we talked. Oh, I won't go into it. We talked about some stuff related to this on the bonus content last week to do with the Cantona and physical violence and when there is a time and a place for that. But this, first of all, like we can agree to disagree, and that's completely fine with me. But the Italy and Argentina point doesn't stand for me. Like that, they there's the people aren't showing enough restraint. Like they if if they're showing more restraint than someone who shows even less, you're, they're still like let's assume this is to be taken at face value. Um, they're lobbing flares into a residential garden. <laughs> like that's that's not enough restraint. Um, and the the. It is true that the the way the club have behaved and the way Woodward in particular has conducted himself and especially all this stuff around the PR is going to bubble. I think I said on this show last week, this could get nasty. You know, not even last week, whenever it was we last did a show Monday, that this, this could get nasty. And look, here we go. Immediately, it gets nasty. The other thing I think is, um, you know, you made the point of like, oh, Woodward's upset by these chants. And, you know, I think we both quite strongly said last time these chants are not particularly unusual in terrorist culture and it is particularly noticeable that there's a massive a massive amount of coverage and backlash against them because they're targeted at Woodward and he's just applied appointed a PR guy but the other side of that is of course if you've got uh, thousands of people singing about hacking someone up and putting him on the bonfire and then a couple of weeks a couple of days later you know armed thugs or like uh, hooded thugs turn up at their house um you could also say that perhaps terrorist culture isn't an innocuous thing perhaps like the glorification of violence on the terraces doesn't just exist in this kind of bubble that doesn't go outside of that and actually is a problem in the world like it isn't it isn't a good thing so anyway that's my little soapbox about it uh yeah i i mean i think this has turned out to be extremely mild and the reaction is um is uh, a little bit over the top but perhaps a little bit of distance what's mild some songs on the terraces and and uh you know a few people hanging around outside Woodward's house now lobbing flares into his garden is pretty f- dumb, gotta say, um, because you know arson's bad and all that. So um, I, look, I hope this is the, I hope this is the peak of it. Uh, and uh, but look, it's in the history of um, the, the the Mirror. Helpfully did a uh, they they ran a piece that said the inside story on the uh, <laughs> the people who attacked Ed Woodward's house, and it was just a history of various incidents over the last 15 years and really nothing to do with any of these groups um and but it was a good reminder of 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 actually you know the it, united fans have gone further than this in uh, in the period of the glazers ownership and um and you know even in those incidents when it's gone further it has thankfully sh- stopped short of you know physical violence against people and i and i'm pretty sure it will do this time you know no, no matter how far um, you or or anyone else thinks this has gone and it's too far, I, d- I don't think it will go any further than this. And this will probably be the only incident. But um, I, I'm just I'm just not surprised. I think I think like football is inherent to many people's sort of 
lives and and deeply rooted in in uh, in society in this country and, and culture. Um, and you have um, an ownership group, and Ed Woodward is the figurehead of the ownership group, who are just stomping all over it, all of the time. Um, I, there's you know, always going to be a visceral reaction to that. Yeah, and that, that there's an a, there is that's completely understandable and appropriate to for there to be a visceral reaction. But first of all, I I admire your confidence that it's not going to go further. I given the current climate. I I don't mean around Manchester United. I mean the current climate more broadly and the nature of what's happening in our society. I wish I could share your confidence that it's not going to get worse than this. Maybe, maybe it won't, and certainly I hope it won't. Um, and and if well, it does, if it does, Edward Wood will con- conveniently have a photographer waiting there to document it. <laughs> Sorry, my level of cynicism about Edward Wood is pretty high. I don't I don't buy I don't subscribe to the conspiracy theories that were going around that uh, it was all a put-up job. No, but um, isn't it interesting that loads of us... But it was interesting there was a sun photographer right there. Lo- loads of us thought that almost immediately. And I, I'm not saying I believe that's what happened, but of course the thought crossed my mind because I've been paying attention. So it's like, of course, it, the fact that it crossed our mind shows how bad the PR stunt thing is working oh, for well, Woodward. Ashton, ex-sun... Uh, sports editor, um, the son that broke the story, a pro photographer there because that they were not shot on iPhone. Oh, I, I didn't, I didn't see any pro photography. So uh, that, oh, that's, that's some, one level some up. Very of... nice pieces, beautifully silhouetted, uh, and the lighting just right. You can um, you can uh, shoot pretty nice photos on an iPhone nowadays. Like, no, you can't. <laughs> no. No, oh, not, you, not when you, you have contrast that deep. You want to um, get a anyway. Pixel 3, Ed. <laughs> Beautiful. I, I have an iPhone 11 Pro Max with its you know, three cameras. Oh, mm. look at me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, and, but, <laughs> the, um, and and then quotes from inside the group to the sun. So, it, I mean, like, I'm not surprised this conspiracy theories started going around very quickly because, you know, when 2 plus 2... Many people add it up to actually four, and and you know even in this case, like um, it's not so much two plus two equals four; it's like two plus x equals four, and x could be a number of different things in this situation. But my point really wasn't that I think this is a conspiracy theory; it's that it shows you how bad Edward Wood's attempts at cleaning up his PR image have been, and how sort of ha- um, heavy-handed. And ham-fisted is the word I was looking for. That people could look at this and go, "Do you think he sent hooded thugs to his own house?" <laughs> like you know, I mean that that seems that would seem completely insane. Because the one thing that I would say is, um, whilst you, you heard how animated and emotional I got about the, this particular incident, none of that takes away from the fact that I don't think negative ire should be focused on Ed Woodward in terms of people who are frustrated with the nature of Manchester United. Because, like, you made the, the mock-up of the glorious leader thing and I, and on that same day, and I thought that was totally appropriate because we should still be making fun of him and saying, like, uh, like this PR thing is a complete joke. There was a story... Oh, I don't know where it was. I can't remember. It was a story about how Edward Wood was uh, instrumental in getting the Bruno Fernandez deal in, in done. In the Express. Honestly, yeah. for Christ's C- sake. Coming just a few months after Edward Wood has been absolutely insistent that he has absolutely nothing to do with transfers. He just signs the checks, mate. And until, until the new shiny toy comes along, then it's all him. And And anyway... Anyone that's been following the details of this transfer, assuming that, you know, we can make any sense of all the vast quantity of reserves of internet electricity that have been used to publish stuff about this. It's been an absolutely shambolic mess. What are you taking credit for, pal? Like, we've got six months <laughs> United late. United paid more than, more than the asking price was last summer. And what, what Sporting were asking for a month ago. It's, it's a bit like the Harry Maguire um uh, uh, transfer last summer when at the beginning of the summer well documented this one now Leicester asked for 80 million United spent the entire summer slow slow negotiating and then paid 80 million yeah it's like will you take uh 60 million no definitely not it's 80 
61? <laughs> like, and then onwards and upwards until you get 77. Come on, meet me at 77. Nope, sorry, we've said all along the price is 80 and eventually pays 80. And, you know, 55 mil plus add-ons, right? The the Fernando's fee. Um, or is it 40 million plus 15 in easy add-ons? Um, it's 55 million euros okay. plus 10 million add-ons uh, that are thought to be easy qualification for the Champions League. <laughs> not, so, yeah, not so easy. That's right. Uh, and something else. And parents, yeah. number of appearances, right. and then 15 million euros in difficult. Ballon, Ballon d'Or and Ballon Champions League winning. And- Top score in the whatever, yes, yeah, stuff like that. I love anyway, that we've so. started. I love that we've started putting Ballon d'Or. God, it seems just like fun. Like, who's is the deal really going to break down over whether there's a Ballon d'Or clause in the contract? <laughs> Anyway, no. Anyway, um, Bruno should be um, should be well suited to United because, of course, uh, wasn't the entire sporting squad kidnapped or something <laughs> should, by the fans? Because should, there's been a hell of a lot of drama at Sporting in the last couple of years. Should we uh, take a break and come back and talk about Bruno Fernandez, the player? Let's do that. Enjoy no question about that. If so, let others know about us. The best way to do that is leave us a review and a rating on iTunes and hit that subscribe button. So, Ed. Um, he scores goals. Yeah, a 33 goal season across all competitions. Last season? Was that last season? I think it yeah. might have been. Now, quite a lot of those are penalties, but... His penalty record. So th- these are the things I know about Bruno Fernandez. It's almost the entirety of the things I know about Bruno Fernandez. A lot of them come from an athletic article, a very in-depth athletic article written by Jack Lang. For access to that, head to theathletic.co.uk forward slash NQAT pod for a 50% off offer and a seven-day free See, trial, etc. that's et much better negotiation we've done for you, fine <laughs> listeners, than Ed Woodward would have done. Yes. Because he'd have given you... 0% off. And you said, I'll oh, give me 5%. He said, no, no, I'll give you, you 0% pay, off. Pay us an extra 10%. But the, the anyway, this is not an ad. It was a really good article. I mean, that bit was sort of quite advertising, wasn't it? But th- th- that was a really good article. But basically what I know about him is everyone says like he's a kind of leader type, which we need a leader type. He shoots so much from outside the box. Oh, he loves it. But He's good at it too. Like he does score quite a lot of goals from it. And I believe from what I could see from the statistics I looked at, he's never missed a penalty in no, all his professional 13, career. Yeah. Which is Yeah, really good. interesting career. I mean, he moved to Italy age 17. I, I did like the uh, the anecdote from that piece you're talking about, about how he uh, he taught himself Italian by putting post-it notes all over his apartment. He went to Muta Navarra in Serie B. Um, and uh, managed to learn Italian very quickly by uh, labelling everything <laughs> with the uh, the Italian words. Um, he's he's got a mixed record in Italy for the for the years he was with Navarra, then Udinese, then a year with Sampdoria. Um, it's nowhere near as good his record in Italy as his time over the last couple of seasons at Sporting. Um, and he was a young player. That's what so we'll I was thinking. because He's a young player, so... I hadn't really looked into Fernandes in particular detail, and I'd sort of heard he didn't do very well in Italy, and I'd assumed that what that meant was he'd done quite well in Portugal, gone to Italy, failed and come back, but that's definitely not what happened. Like He developed as a young player in Italy and kind of broke through into first-team Serie A ranks and then really flourished when he went home kind of thing. That's right. And, and look, he's got some of the tools that I think United fans will... Or really love. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty sure I've never seen him play a full match. I might have done, but I just don't remember it. You mm-hmm. know, you'll have seen all the same YouTube highlight reels, shoots from long distance, can score left, right, header, free kicks, penalties, takes corners, all of that kind of can stuff. Can he score headers? Because he's only teeny tiny. He, he's a little. He'll, I'm sure I saw a couple of those. <laughs> um, he's going to score goals. How many, we don't know, because it's, it's a matter of adjustment to a higher standard league. Um, a lot of those highlight reels, I'm I'm shouting at YouTube, going, "Just close him down for God's sake!" Because <laughs> you know what he's going to do. Um, he creates chances. Uh, so his um, the thing that United really, really, really miss uh, what Stats Bomb would call deep progression. So you know the forward passing, the the stuff that builds into XG chain and then assists, and um, not all the data is available for Liga Noz, unfortunately. But he he he's averaging more than three key passes a game. He's got a very good assist record. I, I think 
you know, it's it's this that, that fans are going to love as well as the goal scoring. And United desperately need that. He gives the ball away a lot. He's ta- I, he's, I assume, just, you know, reading between the lines, he's taking, like, he, his, his average pass completion is at 72%. So that's going to frustrate people when he gives the ball away. But it's because he's taking risky passes on in the final third, which United definitely need. Absolutely. But it winds people up when Paul Pogba does, does that. So I'm going to imagine there'll be a few frustrated fans of that. Listen, do you think the tone around the conversation might be different? Let's let's not let's let's not let's just not. Um, the uh, the the thing that I was minded reminded of when watching because I watched my first Bruno Fernandez highlight compilation today because I have been determined to stay off the hype train. Not entirely successful in my own head. There's been a little bit of choo choo here and there, but um, today was the first time I watched a compilation. And it really reminded me of watching Memphis Depay compilations from the Eredivisie, where it's like, like this is good, but shouldn't a slightly above average keeper be saving that? <laughs> you know, there was there was quite a lot. I mean, I, I do remember literally thinking while watching the Memphis compilation, like the goal goalkeeping in the Eredivisie seems terrible. And so, you know, if he scores a th- if he gets a thirty three goal season in the Premier League. I don't think there's anything he that won't. we've seen that that would suggest that's gonna that's gonna happen. The other, the other no, but if he scores fifteen and ten assists, I, I mean, mean that'd be unbelievable. That would be great across a full season. Um, that's nanny level figures. Yeah, exactly. Know, kind of, yeah. The the um the other thing that I, I would say is a kind of natural and obvious concern is just his frame. You know, um, in the Jack Lang piece, he said he's kind of known to be sort of deceptively strong. He's going to have to be deceptively strong because he's very small and that isn't a deal breaker. We've seen like small playmakers thrive in the Premier League, but I feel like the Premier League's getting has gone another level of physicality in terms of like the speed and power that you need to thrive in this division is like it's not a physical league in the sense that people are being kicked left, right and centre in the way that it used to be relative to other European leagues. But it's an incredibly physical league in that there's the profile of players in the division. There's a lot of incredible athletes around. Uh, true. and But he seems like a, he's not big, but he seems like he gets around. He's, he's you know, he's quick, mobile. Other- and he, pick, he picks up a lot of spaces. You can see that he does that because um, he's getting space to shoot. So he's going to, I assume he can go straight into the side. I mean, uh, Saturday's game's interesting because Nemanja Matic is suspended. So he may well end up playing at eight, which he, he does a lot for sporting. Uh, but the where you really see him come alive, at least in the highlight reels, is, is in between the midfield and the defensive midfield of the opposition. So in that you know, classic sort of number 10 role, the role that Jesse Lingard has been so spectacularly failing at and that seems to be the natural zone for him when when a few players are back now of course that is exactly the same space that Paul Pogba likes to take up even if he isn't actually playing at number 10 so it'll be interesting to see whether the two of them can play or will play together ever yeah I mean and of course it'll be interesting to see if this money is uh, the post sale of Lukaku money or the pre sale of Paul Pogba money. No, no, that money. was Maguire because we didn't buy <laughs> Maguire until we knew Lukaku was going. So yes, it's uh, it's uh, we're, we're putting money in the kitty. We're pre we're pre we're pre spending the money that will be in the kitty when Pogba is sold in the summer. Is there a cynical take on it? But I'm not a cynic, so you know, I can't <laughs> possibly say that. The the other thing that I noticed about Fernandez from reading around is just uh, man makes a lot of tackles. Like he's putting three point eight tackles a game or per ninety. Yeah, no, and a lot game. of pressures as well. Yeah, so, uh, more than six pressures a game, which uh, Ollie will like as well. So he's he's defending from the front. And just every time he puts a, he like puts a player under pressure. Now I'm going to be thinking of like Toots and the Maytals in my head and pressure drop and just thinking, oh look, there's another pressure. He's done a pressure. <laughs> A pressure. Since when is that a, a noun? Uh, yeah, well, it is. It is amongst the, uh, it is, the stats. It is literally a noun. At least. Yeah. So, well, that's oh, right, Bruno okay. Fernandes. And then uh, players left today. Marcus, we mentioned earlier, Marcus Rojo to Estudiantes. Um, RIP to the greatest moment in Jose Mourinho's entire Manchester United career when he said, we all know what it's like. Do you know what it's like when the body just needs something, anything? Marcus Rocco asked for a banana and so the banana is. 
then the, the interviewer laughs and he says, it is not to laugh. <laughs> Your bench was certainly kept busy this evening. What happened with the banana? <laughs> um, you know, I don't know if you were tired any time in your life. I was tired many times. I know what is the body be in the limits and the body needing anything, anything. And um, the player asked for a banana and um, banana is, but it's not to laugh. Uh, it's, not, it's not to laugh at all. It's just the banana is, it is not to laugh. It's one of my favourite things Mourinho ever did at United. Uh, and uh, yeah, the banana and then the burnt toast, yeah, just unacceptable, unacceptable, not only to burn the toast that badly and serve it up to your, your girlfriend in bed, but then to put it on show for the world to see. There were people, there were Nutella truthers when that picture came out. There were people arguing this was not burnt, it had Nutella on it. Those people are not correct. This is not, a, this is, this is a, this is very clearly, you have to really want to believe it's Nutella to see that as Nutella. Is he Some, 28? He's 28? No, he's 29. <laughs> exactly. No, he's, Some he's, he's 28 until he's 29 and that was burnt toast. Some people just like burnt toast though, to be fair. So it might not have been an accident. It might have been deliberate. And there was also like um, a mate mug next to it. And what looks cooler in the world than a mate mug? I don't know. Something about that thing just looks so cool to me with its kind of metal straw and its weird looking herbs. It's, a, it's, just, it's cool looking. I've never had it. Just looks cool. Unlike burnt toast. Marcus Rocco was quite cool. Did lots of Rabonas and two-footed tackles. And was... A lot of two-footed tackles. He loved a crossfield pass. Had half so... a good season under Van Hal, as somebody pointed out in the Instagram comments. Um, and... You know, just massive injury problems and would come straight back from injury and fly into two footers within 30 seconds of being back on the pitch. Um, and shout out to friend of the show, Ollie Rowe, um, who is profoundly broken hearted when he stayed at the end of the summer transfer window. He put on his Instagram, Sequeda, you know, which was the thing that PK put about, or Ramos put about someone at um, Madrid. Anyway, RIP this week. Yeah. Wolves, Wolverhampton Wanderers. We uh, we've beaten them. We play them every week, don't we? Yeah, we yeah. have beaten them recently in the FA Cup. Very tight game that one. Very tight game when we drew with them in August. Very tight game when, well, not so tight when we lost them twice last season. Um, hard to say this one's going to be any different. I mean, it's it's Old Trafford, but they're going to give us they they sit in that low block. And they use a Dimitri to break and they've got a lot of very clever players in midfield and, and players in wide areas that can score goals. So mm-hmm. uh, and, and 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 they beat us and uh Spurs also win. I think it's Spurs. We could end up in and Sheffield United, we could end up in eighth after the weekend. Conversely, Chelsea go to Leicester, if we win, we could end up much closer to the fourth. So yeah. Yeah. big weekend. I don't know why. Maybe it's just Fernandez and getting giddy and the fact that we thrashed Tranmere and technically beat City. Um, did we technically beat City? Is that technically a victory? I don't know. I think yes. I, I think I refused to count a time when we lost in the the uh, second leg of a Carling Cup semi-final that we ended up getting to the final. The Mourinho season, I refused to count that as a loss because we were on a good run. Um, so probably has to apply. But anyway, two wins on the bounce. And and Fernandez coming in, you know, could make a fairly immediate difference. The, the game against Wolves was the one that, of course, Solskjaer had to risk Rashford for. Um, but we did finally break through. I, part of me wonders, actually, will Wolves be a, a, a much tougher proposition in the league than they were in the FA Cup? Yeah, well, uh, they might be. I mean, ob- obviously, there won't be the same sort of level of rotation that we had over those two games. Um, they're going to play the full team. They've just signed a uh, player this week, sort of wide player. Um, Patrick Cutrone has gone back to Italy, I believe. Um, Adama Traore is just coming off having a very good game against Liverpool the other week. You know, So they, they, they're a team that's that's made slow progress over the season to be on the same number of points as we are. Uh, and, you know, of course they're going to be um, of course, they're going to be a force in this game, and and they'll have the full side out, and they're going to give us. It's, it's going to be super tight, and I wouldn't be surprised 
if one goal either way is is not wins it again. All right, I'm going to steal that opinion and predict a 1-0 win to United thanks to a Bruno Fernandes penalty. <laughs> is he on penalties? I mean, if he's, sure? if he's not, someone hasn't looked at the maths. Um, as Tom pointed out, he does a little hop, skip and jump before he takes penalties, which is going to drive people insane. But Big, big call to put him on penalties in the first game, yeah. I, I'm going to go for a one-all draw. Okay. Is Bruno Fernandes going to give up chances? Yeah, that's true. But David Ayer is back to his best. Well, I don't know. Yeah, it could. Maybe. Literally all the results are possible in this one, not just in the sense that they are in all games, but it's just trying to predict what's going to happen. I wonder whether he'll stick with three at the back because he did it against Tramir and then again against City. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be, yeah, he did. He did. And, and against Liverpool um, a few weeks back as well. And Wolves will probably play with three at the back themselves. So it'd be matchy-matchy on the systems. Um, That's the technical course, term, the isn't it? The really attack three at the back is to play wider players, but we're short of attackers. Assuming Dan James comes back into the side. Um, and maybe they'll play two up front with Martial and James and, and it will be three at the back. Could be. So I think I'm going to try and predict an 11. I'll go with, I'll go three at the back and go De Gea... Williams, sure, because he seems to be the default third man in the three at the back, which is weird. Um, and then Lindelof and Maguire, Wan-Bissaka on the right. Who I, I'm very impressed with Wan-Bissaka. Been impressed with Wan-Bissaka all season, but definitely seems to be making some strides in the attacking department or at least improvements. So Wan-Bissaka, Mat- Matic is suspended, you say? So I guess he is. might see uh, Pereira and Fred and Fernandez. And then James and Martial. That's enough players, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that's, that's that sounds all. about right. Yeah, f- f- five, three, two. Yeah, uh, football manager thinking. Yeah, yeah, it could, could, could be Pereira. Could be. I mean, I think Fernandez could play at eight, and Pereira or Lingard play further forward. All matter. I hereby predict Jesse Lingard is not going to play this game. That's my, that's my one solid prediction. <laughs> that's the one I've got confidence. Sticking the boot in. <laughs> not Fair at all. Enough. Just uh, that's just what I suspect. Um. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. That'll that'll do us for another show. Um, I think so. We'll be back on Monday to cover the Wolves game and any more players that United bought on deadline day. On deadline day, I mean, Oli said this week that he'd like another striker. United are out there, probably be alone if it is. So, um, Ismail Slimani, yeah. if you're really into <laughs> Hashtag welcome, that loan, welcome might come Slimani. Off. Um, yeah, let's. We'll talk about that if and when it happens. Thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, we'll speak to you on Monday. Bye now. Thanks for that.